Good afternoon. How are you all? Welcome to episode 60 of the DBPT podcast. Um, I'm Dave Ballantyne, your host. Hope you're doing well. As always, thank you for taking the time to tune into the podcast and I hope you're doing awesome. Um, almost into April, which is crazy. This year seems to be flying in despite the fact that none of us have really done much of anything um, outside of working from home. Um, anyway, today... I thought I would go over five of the more common fitness myths that I've been noticing um, people talking about more. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, I could have picked a lot more than five, but I thought for uh, time purposes, we'd go with just five of the ones that seem to be kind of jumping around the most at the moment. Um We'll go into what the myth is and what the facts actually are um, in order to hopefully steer you in the right direction when it comes to all of this stuff. Um, now, just as a quick heads up, um, some of my neighbours are getting work done in the garden. Their slab's getting cut. It's quite noisy, so hopefully it doesn't interrupt with the podcast. If it gets too bad, uh, you'll never know because I'll just stop recording and, and read a bit. So, yeah, there's that. Anyway, first one, high-protein intakes are bad for your bones and your kidneys. This one seems to be kicking around all the time, forever. Um, and it's it, where it comes from, at least the kidneys part of it, is um, I think it was a study done on rats or mice where they were feeding high protein diets to the animals but the animals already had kidney issues anyway um and it obviously caused a problem with the kidneys but first of all it was in rats and mice second of all they had pre-existing conditions if you don't have a pre-existing kidney issue then a higher protein diet isn't going to be a, have any kind of effect on you. And as far as its effect on bones, it comes from the idea that increased protein intakes leach calcium for digestion. Therefore, you're losing calcium from your bones and then you get all weak and brittle and they break. That also is not true. Um, Meta-analysis on, on high-protein diets and, and Bone density suggests that there is a neutral or positive effect on bone strength with a higher protein diet. So at worst, it's going to stay the same. At best, it's going to improve slightly. So again, not really something to worry about. Um, with protein, the higher protein intakes that we're talking about are, are pretty big. They're, they're, north of three or four grams per kilo body weight so for me at 100 and we'll call it 100 kilos you know we'd be talking about a consistent intake of 400 grams per day now i don't know about you but just eating that much protein would be a bit of a challenge that's 1600 calories coming straight from protein doesn't really leave a lot of room for for carbs or fats um so you probably have more uh, pressing issues than worrying about your kidneys. Um, 
one, the protein farts would be horrific. Two, there's not a lot of room for carbs in it and fat, so energy levels are going to go really low. Um, although you can use protein, excess protein for fuel, um, but it's not optimal, obviously. Um, and to be honest, it'd be bloody expensive. Um, so yeah, don't worry about it. Um, for your general health and performance goals, I've got a couple of guidelines for you. Okay, if you are a healthy adult looking to maintain weight and health status, um, you're pretty sedentary, as most of us are if you're working from home. You're looking at between 1.2 and 1.8 grams per kilo of body weight per day. Okay, so if you're, uh, let me think, 70 kilos, uh, yeah, I should have worked out these before. Um, if you're 70 kilos, you're looking at 84 to 110 grams per day. Uh, in fact, you know what? I'm just going to go work these out. I should really do these in my head. Yeah, 84 to, let's see, 1.8. It's 126, so between 84 and 126 grams per day, which if you break it down over four or five meals or snacks a day, that's pretty easy to achieve, okay? If you're looking to gain muscle you, and your, your goal is to get bigger, you're looking a little bit higher between 1.6 and 2.4 grams per kilo of body weight. Um, as a general rule, I aim for two grams per kilo. It's nice, easy numbers, and it's slap bam right in the middle of that range. Um, and if you're looking for fat loss, 1.2 to 1.5 grams works, seems to work pretty well. I tend to have clients towards the higher end of that, 1.5, uh, simply because increased protein intake helps with satiety, it helps with reduced hunger feelings, um, it helps you maximize as much lean mass as you can, and it still leaves you plenty of room for carbs and fats to build out your diet in a way that will help you stick to it for longer. Okay, so... Long story short, don't worry about higher protein intakes. Um, you're not going to be nearly high enough to be an issue, and there will be lots of other issues that crop, crop up before your kidneys explode. Second one, cutting carbs for fat loss. Okay, the, the idea that you have to cut carbs, that carbs are this evil macronutrient that drives all of the world's fat gain um, is pretty baseless, really. Um, it's been disproven many times, but a study into low-fat versus low-carb diets for fat loss. Um, this was a good study. It covered over 600 people. It went for a year, so a lot of studies were kind of shorter term. This one went for a full year, and they found that for fat loss, when calories were equated, so they were in the same sort of calorie deficit across both both study groups for the whole time there was no difference in fat loss between the two groups what it ultimately comes down to for fat loss is consistency that's what it comes down to and if you're someone who enjoys carbs and you like some bread sometimes you like the occasional donut you you know you like a slice of toast in the morning if I was to tell you you had to cut out carbs in order to achieve your goals, how long do you think you would either last on the diet or maintain the results when it comes to an end? Probably not too long. 
your best bet is to find a dietary approach that allows you to have most of what you want, but maybe look at portion control rather than cutting out an entire micronutrient. You'll get the keto crowd who say that keto is the best for literally everything in the world. Um, and it's not. It can be useful for some people to, to lose some weight and lose some body fat. Um, but you definitely do not need to cut carbs in order to make progress. So there's that. The next one is supplementation is essential for health. And it's not. Um, what you have to consider is supplements, the, 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 the fact that they're called supplements tells you what they do. They supplement your diet in order to make sure that you're not in a deficiency for certain macronutrients, okay, or nutrients in general. If you think about, let's say, six essential nutrients, and in nutritional terms, essential means that you have to get it from your diet. You can't get it. You, your body can't create it, okay? Carbs, fats, protein, vitamins, minerals, water. All right, you have to get those from your diet. Okay, you can generate energy from stored sources of fat or carbs, which is what they're there for. Glycogen gets turned back into sugar to be used. Um, fats are basically a storage mechanism for energy. Protein, in circumstances where calories are low, um, can be broken down and turned into glucose for use. It's um, it's a survival mechanism that most of us will never need to tap into, fortunately. Vitamins and minerals, we can store certain ones, but we can't create them. And water, we obviously have to get from our diet. If you don't drink water, you get some from fruit, but that's from your diet. But you can't magically create it. So you have to get those six from your diet. Now, carbs and fats, let's face it, most of us don't have to supplement those from sugar cubes or bottles of olive oil all right protein is one that many people have to supplement because you don't get enough of it in your diet so a protein shake um adding a scoop of protein to some greek yogurt um having a protein bar something like that is a way to top up your protein levels okay if you can do that all from whole protein natural sources then all the better but if you struggle to get eat enough protein per day, then supplement isn't a bad thing. Likewise, vitamins and minerals, you can get exclusively from your diet. If you eat a wide selection of fruit and veggies every day, you pretty much cover all your bases. You're not going to fall short on, on many of them if, excuse me, if you've got a balanced diet. However, there are some that people struggle with. If you don't eat a lot of veggies, your B vitamins might be a bit of a struggle. Um, equally, if you, like I live in Scotland, uh, where we don't get a lot of direct sunlight, with the exception of two or three weeks in the middle of June, then a vitamin D supplement is a good idea. I tend to supplement vitamin D all year round with the exception of maybe two months in the middle of the year where we have a bit more direct sunlight. Um, but again, it's worth supplementing with. 
Um, and water, obviously, you have to take enough water to maintain hydration status and, and keep everything happy that way. Um, but you don't have to consume supplements if you have a balanced diet. Ones that I would recommend on top of vitamin D and protein are creatine. There's a lot of evidence for pretty much every population out there that creatine supplementation is a good thing um, in terms of a, a number of performance uh, outcomes. And there's a, a bit of a good bit of research coming in now about creatine being beneficial for neuroprotective reasons as well. Um, and then fish oil, if you don't eat fish or you don't get fish in regularly, uh, omega-3 fish oil can be um, a, a big bonus as well. Okay, so vitamin D, protein, creatine and fish oil are ones that I tend to recommend to most people. But if you can get most of them from your diet, then happy days. Right, three done. Protein, cutting carbs for fat loss and essential supplements. The next one... It's one that just will not die. I wish it would. It's the fact. It's the idea that you need to detox. Now, um, uh, where do we start with this? Um, there, there are a billion detox companies out there trying to punt uh, various detox products, detox processes, from lemon water and ginger to freaking celery juice and god knows what else various concoctions of healthy looking things that you take without eating anything else and they flush toxins from your system now the first thing that i'd like to point out is that no detox company has any idea what toxins they're targeting it's this fuzzy idea that there's evil things lurking in your body from what you eat and these detoxes are going to flush them out now if they can't tell you what toxins they're targeting chances are they're talking out their bums so there's that you know anybody who offers you a, a, a detox ask them what toxins they're supplementing they're, they're targeting and and if they can't answer you with some clear well-researched facts then they're just trying to steal money off you. Um, secondly, if you've taken something that is toxic at a toxic level, you probably need to put down the celery juice and get to A&E because there's a problem, okay? You're not going to be in a happy way. Um, acute toxicity isn't going to be cured by drinking celery juice every day. So, um, you know, this idea that your body needs cleansed of these things, if they were actually there, you'd be having a problem. Secondly, with that, your lungs, your kidneys, your liver and other organs are working continually to clear any potential toxins out of your system. So, you know, buildups of excess um, vitamins and minerals, which in certain quantities could be toxic. Um, you know, anything that you consume that your body deems not good, for lack of a technical term, come to my head, um, your 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 organs work to clear those out. Okay, and if they stop working again, 
all this elder juice in the world is not going to fix them. You need to get to the hospital and get them fixed. Okay, because if your liver stops working, you know all about it. If your kidneys stop working, you go on dialysis and get a kidney transplant. Like, and if your lungs stop working, then you're buggered, basically. Um, so yeah, toxins, detoxes, garbage. Don't listen to people who try to sell you that stuff. Um, if you want to improve your body's ability to deal with any potential threats, look to increase your content uh, or your your. In, blah, clearly, it's been a while since I've had coffee. Um, increase your intake of um, fibrous veggies. You know, broccoli, cabbage, um, spinach, kale. All of these kind of cruciferous or fibrous veggies um, help your body deal with that sort of stuff so they can be a massive benefit. So if you want to do something positive along those lines, increase your, your veggie intake. Um, and then finally, the last one I wanted to talk about was, I wrote it down somewhere here, um, eating more often boosts your metabolism. This is one that I thought had been debunked well and truly by now, but it's still one of these things that you see kicking about more often than it should. An idea that eating more but smaller meals throughout the day boosts your metabolism kind of makes sense on a, on, a, on a basic level. When you eat food, your body requires um, energy to chew, digest, and process the, the food that you eat, right? So your metabolism does have a little uptick. However, the bigger the meal, the bigger the increase in metabolism to deal with the food intake, okay? So on that basis, there shouldn't really be a difference between several small meals and fewer large meals in terms of the overall metabolic increase. And research has shown that there isn't. It works out about the same regardless of the number of meals in the day. What matters most um, for fat loss, which is where this is, is coming from, is the total calorie intake. Now, where the argument falls down for the smaller, the, the more higher number of smaller meals increasing metabolism is that if you're only having several small meals through the day, you're not ever going to feel that full. Therefore, Hunger levels will tend, will tend to be higher and you'll tend to eat more calories. Therefore, you will undo any potential improvement that might have. So what you're better doing is building your meals around protein and veggies to increase the thermic effect of food, that kind of calorie demand to process and digest. And building a meal frequency and meal timing that works best for you. Now, if you are someone who enjoys smaller meals than regularly through the day, and that works for you more days than it doesn't, then do it. But if you're someone who, maybe due to work uh, circumstances, can't stop to eat every two hours, then aiming for three bigger meals at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, with maybe a mid-afternoon or mid-morning snack thrown in, whichever one you prefer, is probably a better route 
than worrying about eating lots of little meals to rev up your metabolism, okay? Because the overall calorie increase or burn increase um, doesn't actually change that much depending on the number of meals that you have, okay? So that's it for now, guys. I hope that uh, all made sense. Um, if there's any other fitness myths that you've heard that I've not covered, I'd love to hear them. Um, I can chat on them and uh, look at the research and, and explain why they're not uh, factual and, and what to do instead. But that's it for today. I hope you have an awesome day. I'll be back next week. Um, I'm in the process of trying to line up a couple more interviews. Um, so I'll announce those once they're in the diary. Um, and in the meantime, have a great week. Have a great weekend when it comes. And I'll be back next week. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, just a quick message to say thank you once again. And if you have any feedback for the episode or any questions on it, um, please get in touch. Also, if you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear me cover, um, I would appreciate you uh, letting me know um, and I'll be happy to do it. Um, I would also uh, like to ask a favour and that is if you enjoy the podcast, please share it please uh, go to wherever you get your podcast, leave it a rating um, and a review if you can. Um, it helps me get the information out to a few more people and it's uh, massively appreciated. So that's all for me. Have a great day. Talk to you next time.